you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. The Around the NFL Podcast. We'll need some time to adapt to the pro game. Welcome back to another edition of the Around the NFL Podcast. My name is Dan Hansis, and I am joined by a room filled with heroes. Mark Sessler, Chris Wessling, Greg Rosenthal. What's up, boys? Hey, Dan. Feeling it. Mmm. <laughs> Greg is having the time of his life on this Sunday. I can tell. Well, it's nice that Dan, you know, last Sunday he wasn't here. And now I can just kick back and relax. We basically just sit here. It's Dan's show now. So big, certainly not my <laughs> show, but this is the YouTube uh, Sunday night show. You'll see, <clears throat> and I have a sinus infection. So everyone, Do you? be careful. I'm not feeling great. Fighting through Chris Rose, uh, one of our hosts, also on MLB Network, NFL Network. He said, the number one thing when you're ill and you're an on-air guy, tell people that you're ill. Make light of it. It puts the whole thing to rest. Develop some sympathy for you. <clears throat> I see he also gave you tips on name dropping. Yeah, Chris Rose. You know, he's a nice guy. I had a nice conversation with him. Anyway, yeah, it's, you got to organize when you do the Sunday show. It's our flagship show here at the Around the NFL podcast where we go over every single Sunday game including the Sunday night football showdown between the Colts and Patriots, which we'll get to at the bottom of the show. But there's a lot of stuff to talk about today, Mark. You, uh, you had a nice Sunday. I sat across from you. Uh, you got a little upset about the Browns. We'll get to a little later. Uh, but in general, you seem to be in good spirits, Mark. Well, you know, part of our job is just to maintain and to get through it, and that's what I did. It was quite a fun Sunday. Mark's going to London, games. by the way. A lot of good games. Mark's going to London. Mark is days. on his way to London yeah. on Tuesday. So any of our listeners that are in London, you and Connor and Mark, you guys got to figure out where the big meetup's going to be next Friday or Saturday. I'll leave that to you guys. <laughs> yeah, buy Mark some a couple of pints. I cannot wait to meet some of the English followers of the show. Let's is it, it true that you actually spent some time in your life in England? Yes, Have you, I as heard it's that? been it's been chronicled. I lived there when I was a young boy and I'm going to try, if there's any break in the schedule, I'm going to get out to Weybridge in Surrey, Weybridge. which is where I lived if I can find a way to get there. I, I actually googled Gary Bar, uh, Barnage today to find out if he was English. He sounds English. <laughs> Gary Barnage? He's like, Gary Barnage? No. Nah. Oh, you think we would have known that by Kentucky. now? From Kentucky. Yeah, I thought so, but just in case I missed it. Sometimes you know something will go off your radar and you should know it, but you didn't. The Gary Barnage. Well, historically totally a Brit, I'm sure, way back in the Barnage family. His lineage. Uh, so, yes, a lot of good games to get to. And um, I don't, there should be no, nothing else. We should just get to it. Please. So much work, so many games to get to. And we'll start like we did uh, at least two weeks ago, Greg. I don't know. I did listen to the show. No, none of it stuck with me. Uh, totally we, forgettable show. <clears throat> two weeks ago, we led. Now it was a great show. Working like uh, two weeks ago, we led with all the undefeated teams. So let's keep doing that, and we'll start with the Carolina Panthers, who we all thought, or most of America thought, that this would be the end of the Panthers as an undefeated team. They're going to the clink. Seattle Seahawks, they're going to get it together, but guess what? Things didn't work out that way because the Panthers remain undefeated after staging a dramatic fourth quarter rally. Uh, the end, a 27-23 win over the Seahawks uh, at the clink. 
Uh, Greg, the Panthers are six and zero. Am I correct? That is incorrect. Five and zero. Five and zero. The Panthers are five and zero, and the Seahawks are in deep, deep trouble. Which reality surprises you more? The the Panthers being undefeated. I know they had an easy schedule early, but this this proved they're a different sort of Panthers team. And I know Cam Newton's had some nice moments in his career. He had a game-winning drive to beat the Saints to win the NFC South in 2013. He beat the Patriots on Monday Night Football once. I thought this was the most impressive thing I've ever seen from Cam Newton, to be down 20-7 to in the second half against the Seahawks, to be down 23-14 going midway through the fourth quarter and rip off two straight 80-yard drives. And these, these weren't cheap drives where he's getting penalties and running. He's throwing lasers down the heart of their defense, past their Legion of Boom, into tight windows. He was just razor sharp when it mattered most. And, I, and I'm watching this game, and I'm thinking, which quarterback do I want at the end of games right now, Cam Newton or Russell Wilson? I want Cam Newton. Wow. I mean, based on this season, there's there's not a, He's a heck of a lot of the debate there. a legitimate MVP candidate at this stage of the season, right? I don't think so in a season where Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers have played this well because I, I, I don't think it's Andy fair. Dalton. I don't think it's fair to them. Andy Dalton I'd throw in there too because I don't think Cam's been that great each and every week. But that's not taking anything away from what he did. Whenever they absolutely needed a drive, they did it. It was 80-yard drives, four of them in the game. Uh, in their other whole nine drives, they only had 63 yards. So it was a, it was an mm. uneven game like that. We talked on the last show about, you know, listen, Carolina is going to have to have one of these signature wins before we take them seriously. Because Which of all was the fair. It yeah, was a fair it was fair viewpoint. But is this actually that win? Is this Seattle team that yes. good? Yes. Is it? Well, because even- all they all these losses have been by one scores to pretty good teams. And they looked very good for most of the day, just like they did last week. And the games they're losing, I mean, it's to the Bengals at the end. It's to the Packers in the fourth quarter. It's to the Panthers. And just watching it, I didn't think the Seahawks gave this game away. Granted, they made a big mistake. Maybe we'll talk about that on the last play where Greg Olson scored. There was some sort of miscommunication between Richard Sherman and Earl Thomas. But other than that, the Panthers earned everything they got. And even if the Seahawks go in the tank this year and finish 7-9. and nine. At this stage of the season, going into today, it was still understood to be very difficult to win West in that spot. And the Carolina Panthers went in there and did it. And to me, it's like, now you could legitimately worry about the Seahawks team. Am I right? I'm, I'm not that worried about them. They're really? one of, they're so one of two now. teams with a losing record and a positive point differential. They have the talented roster. They've got good coaching. Well, but like you Greg believe said, in the Cardinals, so you, so it's going to be tough. They're now two. There's still two games behind the Cardinals, right? That, so that's a problem. It's going to be tougher to win three road games potentially if they don't win this division. When you're at two and four, it's going to be harder to win your division. None of that bothers me. We were at a similar place last year at this time, and the Seahawks got everyone got everyone back, became the most dominant team in the league. I just I look at their roster and their coaching staff, and I think, and basically their results. They've Fourth quarters, they haven't come through, but that doesn't mean they're not a good team. I'm with you. I don't think it's time to panic. It is positive also to look at what Jimmy Graham did today. It sounded like he Absolutely. finally had the game that we thought he'd have from wire to wire with this team. Yeah, that's fine. That you know Graham did have his best game of the year. But And what you're going to hear this week, people are going to – because I felt like there were too many excuses made for the defense last week in their meltdown against Cincinnati. They say, well, offense isn't taking enough time off the clock. In your building, with the lead coming off that terrible loss last week, you got to finish. you got to finish the game. Well, and Seattle, just like in the Super Bowl, and they couldn't close it out, they could not close this game out when, 
against the Panthers, which, you know, Cam Newton's playing great. He played great today, but that they made Cam Newton and the Panthers look like the best offense ever. When it's January and Doug Baldwin is honking about everybody disrespecting them in October, <laughs> he's talking to Dan Hanson. That's fine. Well, that's I'm not going to be that guy it's, who it's Doug a, Baldwin's it's calling a thing. Do something. It's a thing that they collapse late in games. It's a thing. Their last five losses have now been games where they've led in the fourth quarter. So far this season, I think it's they've been outscored 76 to 27 in the fourth quarter. So when they got to the fourth quarter in the stadium there, they put up, you know, fourth quarter. Everyone starts going for Everyone starts going crazy. He, you know, here's our time. I think they got a field goal to start off the quarter. And, and everyone, you know, in the building is thinking about it. They're talking about it. And what do they do? They give up two 80-yard drives to a team that has one receiver. Te- Devin Funches dropped three passes today. Greg Olson is having the best season of his career. He had, they have one receiver and a team that's not known for throwing the ball, and they just go right down, just like last week that the Bengals did, and they do nothing on offense, too. Well, and it's bad. It's in their head. But part of it last year, and the reason they were so dangerous, was they can chew up the clock and just beat you up with the running game. And I know you wrote that Marshawn Lynch looked great today, looked a lot better, but still, it's 54 yards. That's a that's 100 yards less than he'd have in games last year at times. Yeah, they, they didn't get it done on the ground. I just thought he looked good on a few runs, very he explosive. He, he looked healthy. Uh, but Jonathan Stewart was the better runner in this game. He, he <laughs> that's encouraging. Through, he fought through a lot of tackles. Uh, he, he played really well. And just uh, gutsy darts from uh, Cam. It's fun to see. Panthers have a nine-game regular season winning streak. Give him some credit. Gary yeah. Williams mm-hmm. is a problem, by the way, too. He's becoming more and more of a problem every week. They tried to pick on him. I mean, he had an up-and-down game, but he's becoming a problem for that team. The Panthers deserve credit. I mean, I, I was one of probably many people that kind of wrote them off as the weakest undefeated team early on, but now you got to take them seriously. That was a gut-check game. Sure. Uh, another undefeated team, the Denver Broncos. And uh, Peyton Manning who's been carried by his defense this year. Let's face it, they had to carry him again today. He threw three more interceptions, including a pick six. But the Broncos got a uh, late uh, Brandon McManus field goal in overtime to escape with a 26-23 win over the Cleveland Browns. Uh, Greg, I'll throw this to you again. The Broncos are now 6-0. But does any of this really matter if Peyton Manning is going to be one of the five worst quarterbacks in football. <laughs> and honestly, I'm not even joking. Doesn't matter if, if this is how Peyton Manning is going to be. Yes, because one that assumes that Peyton Manning will stay that way. And even if he does stay that way, they at this rate, they're going to have a bye in the playoffs in a home game. And the way this defense is playing, they're going to have a chance to win every week. It's crazy to watch a Broncos team get worse and worse on offense each week like this, though. I thought this is the week where it finally ends. Joe Hayden is out. Deshaun Gibson is out. This is one of the worst five or six defenses in the league. And yet, go, I would say this was the worst game Peyton Manning had all season. He did have a few good throws. That's the thing. People say, like, you can't throw the ball anymore. He had three or four really good throws. But he keeps making the mental errors. Uh, he should have lost this game a million times. And it was on the Browns that they didn't take His it. His reaction after the third pick, Mark, when Peyton, he, like, grabbed at his face mask. And it was like he almost couldn't believe it. If you're watching on YouTube, you can see it here. Like, he couldn't even believe that he's making these errors. It's because... They're telegraph throws. They're he, mental errors. And Demarius Thomas did not help him at all in fourth quarter or overtime. Two terrible drops. But Manning is, remains the problem, and yet they're still undefeated. You know, I think Greg nailed it. Cleveland came into the game with, I think, one interception all season. They're not a team that... Last year, they, they were delivering turnovers. They're not this year. And for them to pick on him the way they did... It was almost like, and I was sort of watching this off to the corner of my eye while I was covering a different game, but you were almost counting on, on Manning making another blunder. It's like every couple, 
he just kept doing it over and over, throwing bizarre incompletions as well. He missed some throws by a lot. I don't know if it was the weather. He had the glove on. I mean, there, it was under 50 degrees. That's the first time this you know season for a Manning game. He was off target. He also, like I said, made some big, big throws. But this is something we are relying on it every week. He leads the league in interceptions. I mean, that's who he is right now. That's why I, I, I side with Mark on this. Come playoff time, I don't think you can just trot the defense out there and say they're going to win. No, they have to get their, better. Their opponents this year are a combined 10 and 24. They're going to be facing a lot better teams in the playoffs. And Are you counting the Broncos' wins in that? That's not, that's not fair when people do that. You get the point. Okay. 10 and 24, make it 10 and 20. They're okay. bad teams. <laughs> But, you know, this is – he's my new litmus test guy. Jordy Nelson used to be the litmus test. If you're watching football games, you know he's great. Who are they going to trot out next week to argue against you on, on NFL Network? <laughs> Someone who's not watching games and insists Peyton Manning's a good quarterback. And they're, they're – Solly Wilcots. They're he's sticking by him. They're telling us what they think of him with the play calling, with these runs on third and long, and all the third down throws are short of the sticks, and they're just hoping for yards after contact. And one of the big arguments has been the offensive line's not playing well and the running game's not playing well. He was protected fine. The Browns did not have much of a pass rush today. Uh, the running game was good throughout. They really gave the ball to Ronnie Hillman as the primary back for most of the game, and that was how they were moving the ball. He was good, and C.J. Anderson did all the work in the overtime drive. This from Ronnie Hillman on social media after the game. You need to get off Peyton. That's our QB bottom line. You fake fans don't say anything when he's winning us the game. SMH, which means Mark what? Shaking my head. That's what he's doing. It's like it's one of the dumbest. It's one of the dumbest things online because it just I don't know. It I don't need to hear bizarre to me. And there are a lot of dumb things online. I agree with you on that. I also I don't need to hear these players every week telling the fans what to do and who's (laughs) fake and who's real. It's like fans can boo or get on a player when he's struggling as mightily as Peyton Manning is. Mark, were you were you SMHing? You know, after that Josh McCown. Interception because we should talk about the Brown side of things. They had the ball past midfield at the end of regulation. Josh McCown threw oh a big God. interception. They picked off Manning in overtime and had the ball around the 40. At that point, they only needed what five yards to get into. They the went back range. 18 and they went back, back, backwards. What are you feeling about Josh McCown right well, now? Well, it was like the reverse of a raffle copter. <laughs> How about that? Because, and listen, it just seemed like Cleveland. We talked about this way with the Jaguars where you start to see hints of a team developing, but they don't have the DNA from the coach on down on how to win these kind of games. Now, Cleveland did last week, but that was the Ravens, and we found out they were just not a good team. It's, you, Browns fans are still expecting that mistake to happen, and they've got, until that changes, this is a typical type of Browns as, loss. As bad as Manning was in this game, Josh McCown was worse, and that was one of, he said he was trying to throw the ball out of bounds, which makes more sense than what just throwing it up for grabs, which he did, but he always makes those plays where he's surrounded by guys and he just throws it high up in the air. He was also facing a much more difficult defense. Right. Than Peyton Manning. Was this the best game an offense has played against Denver? No. They had a ton of drives. I'd love to go look quickly, but the fact is they were going three and outs back and forth the whole game. They didn't even get 300 yards in this game on on 15 drives, something like that. So, So the Panthers and Broncos remain perfect, as do... Chris Wessling, the Cincinnati Bengals. Andy Dalton threw three touchdown passes, a 34-21 victory over the Buffalo Bills in Orchard Park. Wes, A.J. Green neutralized in this game, and yet Andy Dalton still thrived. There's something different going on here, isn't there? Yeah, when I think about this game, I think of two things. One, how loaded the Bengals roster is, that they really have no weak points. And two, that the Bills' defense is overrated. 
Mm. The Bengals' offense, I mean, everybody talks about the Cowboys' offensive line. Andy Dalton never gets touched. He has all day back there to pick defenses apart. And then when you take away A.J. Green, because the Bills do take away number one wide receivers, that's what their defense does. But Marvin Jones has, Marvin Jones has a great game. Tyler Eifert is a great red zone weapon. Gio Bernard picked up a bunch of first downs. They have so many weapons. And, and Mario Williams came out and kind of questioned the defense a little bit and the scheme itself, which is funny because – Two seasons ago, with a similar scheme under Mike Pettin, they sent a franchise record for sacks. They had a ton of sacks last season, and they have something. They're very low right now. They're just absolutely. They have nine sacks on the season, and Mario get Williams to the said something like he, you know, he set the record for dropping back into coverage. Look, any any coverage that you have with Mario Williams in it, and they're only rushing three, you can understand why that front four, which is so good, is going to be frustrated. They think Rex is outsmarting himself. And more importantly, Kyle Williams left with a knee injury. It looked like it might be serious. It sounds like he won't make the trip. They're, they're leaving as we speak. They're leaving Sunday night for London. It sounds like Kyle Williams will be staying home, which is a big loss. And the Bills are now 3-3. Three and three. And in a weird way, it's a, a, a sneaky, maybe, blessing in disguise because there was these strange reports before the game, one from Rap Sheet, um, that E.J. Manuel had a chance to hold on to the starting job if he played well in this game, uh, which I didn't get a chance to see every one of the snaps in this game, but it doesn't appear that Manuel had the type of game that would lead to a quarterback controversy. But that's, you know, you didn't want any of that leaking out there. You didn't want any of that discussion, whether it's real or manufactured in the media by, or by an agent or by a, a GM that has other interests. But that's just bad news. So Manuel not playing well and put that to bed is kind of a good thing to come out of a bad loss. It's totally disruptive, and it begs the question of have we, have the people inside the team not watched Tyrod Taylor and the growth. Well, he must not had? like something about him if, if it came from the team. Well, how did how did Manuel look? Look, he's terrible. I mean, his ball placement <laughs> is is just among the worst you'll ever see. His decision making's bad. They went three, four, four and out, four three and outs in the first half when Andy Dalton was running away with the game. I I don't know why. What was the point of that report? I mean, you lessen Taylor Taylor's leadership on the team. It doesn't when you're talking about it, it undermines your starter. Maybe it's supposed to be pumping up EJ Manuel, and it's it's someone that really believes in. If, you, Manuel, if you're pumping up EJ Manuel, you're not doing it two hours before game time on a Sunday, where EJ Manuel well, at not the even cost of your starter. And it's you know it's funny because like Greg Roman in San Francisco, they made a switch at quarterback during the season after spending so much time in practice with Colin Kaepernick. We don't know what they're seeing behind the scenes. Well, they don't they don't like it that that Taylor doesn't see Sammy Watkins because he's short. He's a short quarterback. Big, maybe he just doesn't see the field well in general. You know what? That's who knows if that's his. His biggest evil, it's about so, by the way, fifth on the list of starts. EJ Manuel's biggest. He's had five is NFL this, starts. And, you know? and and Sammy Watkins touchdown catch today got hurt again on crutches after the half. And it's just like, you know, this guy can come out and ask for the ball, but you gotta stay on the field too. The worst thing this could be this could be would be it would be Doug Whaley who put his job on the line by going to get Watkins and then him reacting to Watkins going to the media about needing the ball and that leading to this issue with the quarterback situation. It's just you hope it's not that because that is as dysfunctional as it gets. It bothers me that this is even an issue. Right. That they would leak that report. It just Tyrod Taylor is such a better quarterback than EJ Manuel. He's been great. Before we move on, in your piece you called Andy Dalton a legitimate MVP candidate, Chris Wesseling. Is it time to junk the Dalton scale, the measurement, whereas each quarterback in the league is measured mm. by Andy Dalton, the prime meridian, of course. It's a serious with the way, question. With the way he's playing now, is it time to 
junk this game. I think we need more than a six-game sample size. Okay. The it's only fair. thing I'd say, though, it's is fair. one thing that we thought about Dalton, because it was true on the field up until the season, was that he hit his ceiling the minute he entered the league, that there was never a better version of Andy Dalton over all his seasons. He is a legitimately different quarterback this yep. year. And I would say the scale has to work to be functional. And if it's not going to work, if he goes 13-3 well, and three and plays this well. Well, it might be something we evaluate in the offseason. Sure. Right. Yeah, big I, team, big owners meetings that we have. All of what you <laughs> said is true, that he has been better this year noticeably. He's shown improvement. But I, I think where I stand and where I stood all offseason, it doesn't matter what the Bengals do from September through December. Mm. I need to see it in January. Um TD thinks the body language is better on Andy Dalton, but I think it's I think the, that's true. I think it's the hair. Yeah, but that's but you're when you the have product, good hair and you know this, Dan, you're yeah. just feeling good from head to toe. You <laughs> I ne- I never feel myself until the product is in. There you go, and that that's a Dan ritual. He comes into the office first thing he does, put a little gel in the it's hair. It's funny because it's and then yeah. man, it's just yeah. you have a like an aura around you, like a pregnant lady, where you just feel something yeah. good is going to happen with you. That, everything you just said is accurate. Uh, moving on, the, that you're a pregnant lady. Yeah, I'm prego. <laughs> I'm due at the end of the month. I'm taking a long maternity leave. (laughs) Uh, Another undefeated team, the Green Bay Packers. Uh, They will go into their bye week without a loss. Aaron Rodgers looked human for the second straight week, and Phillip Rivers threw for 503 yards uh, and also has another kid on the way. That's eight kids. Come on. That's a preschool. And you know what? And he can... Uh, obviously, take care of those kids. Settled that. He's a multimillionaire, but we got a lot of people on this planet. We got an overpopulation. Oh, he can afford Wait, to feed them. Let's slow down. A By the way, what? beautiful transition from the pregnant woman conversation <laughs> to this. Situation. I would encourage Philip Rivers and his wife to have a lot more kids because they can provide for them and raise yeah, do whatever, wonderful do people. It, says a says a man who had seven brothers. Six brothers. Six it's brothers. Also, seven of his total. At a certain point, it's rubbing it in a little bit. It's what? like I'm that potent. Anyway. <laughs> So Rivers threw for 503 yards, but Green Bay's defense got a goal line stop in the final minute. They secure a 27-20 win at Lambeau. Wes, the Packers, you know, they don't look so indestructible of late, but results are results. Yeah, I think I think it might have been you who said after week three or week four, you can take away Jordy Nelson, you can take away Eddie Lacy, and Aaron Rodgers still plays like an MVP. That was me. Packers keep right on rolling. <laughs> that was me, actually. And, was me. and I think we, we saw, like, the breaking point the last couple of weeks. You can you can blame it on Jordy Nelson, but it's not really. You take away Devontae Adams, Andrew Corliss, Ty Montgomery. You t- Eddie Lacy's completely ineffective because he's playing through an ankle injury or because he's overweight, one or the other. But you've got all these people around Aaron Rodgers, and then you've got he can't make back shoulder throws to Jeff Janis because they're not on the same page. Uh, Rod, uh, Richard Rodgers isn't coming down with, with tight Catch mm. with catches in tight spaces. Cobb is dropping passes. He's throwing like James Starks was open for a potential late touchdown, but that's a tricky route that James Starks is not used to running. Yeah, basically his his number one, number three, and number four receivers from August are, are out of the lineup. So he's throwing to a bunch of guys. At one point he's throwing in a red zone. You came over to my desk and they show who's on the field. It's Jared Abradaris and some guy named Justin Perillo or something. Those are made up. Those are his red zone weapons. Yeah. So I think it can't and be a surprise. And yet he threw for 8.8 yards per attempt today. And they and they score 27 points and win the game and stay undefeated. So that's the luxury of, you know, being the Packers. What was it like to watch Phillip Rivers top his performance from Monday night when he threw it for 790 times or whatever? And today he threw it 65 <laughs> times for 500 yards. Those are real statistics. He was surgical against the defense that football outsiders ranked as number one in the NFL on pass defense. Now, the Packers hadn't really played any great quarterbacks this year, 
So it's telling that Rivers did this to him, but Stevie Johnson was inactive. Keenan Allen played awesome for three quarters and then sat out the fourth quarter with a hip injury. He had 14 catches? In three yeah. quarters. That is outrageous. He, and he's, his, his performance might have been more impressive than DeAndre Hopkins. He was making great catches. What is the deal with Eddie Lacy? <laughs> three rushes off four carries and James Starks just takes over. Well, I look at it this way. We've seen Eddie Lacy when he's healthy, and he's an excellent football player. So he's either out of shape or unhealthy. We know he, a couple weeks ago he was playing through an ankle injury, and when they played James Starks this much over him, it suggests to me they're just trying to get to the bye, get Eddie, Eddie Lacy healthy, and then get him going. But he did not look like himself. He looked sluggish and slow. There's, there's something about this Chargers team. I mean, they're, they're in these games. They're against the Packers and the Steelers, but now they're at 2-4. and four. I mean, this is a team that I, I don't know if they need to make the playoffs to keep everyone there, but pretty disappointing start for San Diego in general. They're not far away from being 1-5 and five either, or I guess a better record based they on are, every one of their games. They can't, they can't the run the line. They are, every, every team behind them we cannot take seriously. Everybody in front of them we can. Okay, that's good. It checks out. When you make cryptic statements like that, you're usually hiding some kind of intel. Yeah, I know. I said something last show that I think <laughs> McCoy, there might be some talk of that they, they need to be a winning team or else he's gone. Saucy. Greg is secretly our podcast insider. You know why? Because Greg has this thing like uh, all the insiders out there and he's got some sources within buildings, I think, that we don't know about. So whenever you see him texting, he's always, that's information coming into him. Sure. Well, he's a dress. Hard-working journal. Journal. Giving me a good reputation. Unwarranted. Uh, Moving on. Landry Jones threw a pair of touchdown passes uh, to Martavis Bryant in relief of an injured Michael Vick. And the Pittsburgh Steelers came back from a deficit to notch a 25-13 win over the Arizona Cardinals. Mark, you know, listen, Landry Jones, nice little performance there. But losing to a Big Ben free Steelers squad is no way for a team of ATN to comport itself. Jeez. It, it reminds me a little bit of the way you described the Cardinals a couple weeks ago where they absolutely dominated in, in, on every category statistically. 421 yards for Carson Palmer. They were moving the ball up and down the field, plenty of big plays, but they could not turn the real estate into points. And I give the Steelers credit for shutting down the run game for much of the, for much of the affair. And they just a couple affair, big turnovers yes. for, for Arizona. I mean, you cannot... You cannot on the road commit the turnovers, and Carson Palmer threw a killer pick at the end that really put this game out of reach for them. Pittsburgh, it's it was a very it was just one of the stranger games I've seen all season. Clearly, if if it if you're without Big Ben next week, I would put Landry Jones in over Mike Vick oh, because yeah. what happened right away was that the playbook seemed to completely open up, and Arizona's defense responded differently to Landry Jones, who was taking more shots downfield. It opened up the run game for Le'Veon Bell, who was just seeing seven men in the, you know, in the box time after time with Vic on the field. It was completely ineffectual. So, you know, it's not a good situation for Pittsburgh, but it was huge to come out here with a win. Huge to come out with a win. Against a team. They're not, a, they're, they're not even close to being a better team than Arizona, but they, right. they got it done today. I mean, against the top five team, in your building without your quarterback, and you actually go to your third-string quarterback and you get a win, you're 4-2 and two now, and you, could, you can now withstand with being without Roethlisberger for another week, and there's a very good chance that happens, and you're going to be okay. I mean, this was their biggest win of the season. Easy. The, the fact that they've now ripped off two of these against two decent teams, you know, in San Diego and then a, a very good team in Arizona, I mean, that just makes me think, how good can these Steelers be? 
you get Ryan Shazier back, you get Ben Roethlisberger back. It's like they're right back where we thought they'd be before the season, which is as one of the real Super Bowl. Campaigns. It is funny to watch, though, what they have become and what they were with, with Vic on the field and no Big Ben. One passing yard in the first half. Oh that when gosh. you take you can't you, lose we, that game well, if you're the Cardinals. When we talk no. MVP and you talk anything other than quarterback, I don't listen anymore because this was another example that when you take that one starter off the field at quarterback, this was a completely average offense. Well, look at Martavis Bryant runs wild today, and Antonio Brown didn't do much. But I totally agree. The defense is much better than we thought early in the season and in August. And once you get Big Ben back, you've got Martavis Bryant, Le'Veon Bell, Antonio Brown. That's a Super Bowl contender. In a two-team division now. And I think that everyone, if you do have your PS2 somewhere in storage, you can get that out, dust it out, plug it in, see if you can find Madden 2004, Mm. you know, with Michael Vick on the cover with the Falcons. Put that in there. Play a game because I don't think we'll ever see another Michael Vick snap in the NFL. You, you just pouring a little out for Michael Vick. Yeah, listen, actually, you know, <laughs> look, I'm not going to go too crazy about Michael Vick. There's a lot of people that think he should never even come back to the NFL. But if you're somebody that that guy defined an era of the NFL, and I think it was very clear by the end of when he left the game and these past two games that Michael Vick's finished. This could probably this probably was his last start in the NFL. It might even be his last appearance in the NFL. It's possible. Well, that's what on, I just the, said. Thanks for on listening. the field. I know that's what I'm saying. But <laughs> yeah. you're, I, what I'm noticing is that you're plagiarizing your own tweet these days. <laughs> you know, your tweets on the screen, and you're just using that material. No, well, that, you know, that's kind of like my journal of my thoughts. Mm over the course of Sunday, and some make it to the, the second good ones, draft. I like to look yeah. at you as like a multi-platform weapon that you operate on Twitter and you bring the same content to the, the exact same content to the podcast. Word for word. Right. Yeah. So it's like the end of Mr. Belvedere when you write in your journal, you have to announce it as well. <laughs> Streets out of China. That's with another timely 80s <laughs> When you're Vic and you get outplayed by the kicker from Friday Night Lights, it's time to go. <laughs> Very fair. <laughs> Wow, Landry, that's right. Um, Mark, have you gotten to season two yet of Friday Night Lights? I uh, knocked off a few episodes last night. You know, I didn't realize this season is 26 episodes long it is or something. Kind of the so, old you know, it's taking me, model. I don't have a whole lot of free time. I you know, I've got about nine more episodes in season one. Friday Night Lights, I believe, premiered in 2006, which is light years ago in terms of what's happened in television since, how, how television is produced. Now, now it's like 12 to 14 episodes a season max. Back then it was like, hey, writer's room, go crank out 37 well, episodes like for a season. Binge watching is now, I need a lost weekend. I need to vanish from society to get through you know, a season. We need a television podcast. <laughs> Showing up. Oh, yeah. Theology podcast. About shows that came out a decade ago? Yeah, or two. And Mr. Belvedere, by the way, was not a well-known sitcom. So if you're well overseas listeners, he was a, a, a British butler. Uh, Mr. Belvedere, uh, who it had, landed it in had Pittsburgh. British roots, yeah. Bob Euchre was prominently involved. All right, moving on. Well, real quick, for all yes. the people worried about the team of ATL or asking me if I'm worried about, not worried at all. Again, <laughs> yeah, once we got a song. 160 more points than their opponent. The Cardinals are a well-oiled machine. They're going to have a few losses. They're still a great team. I, I agree with that. It's disappointing they haven't played. That they've been outplayed or that they've lost two out of three games since we picked them. This is something that when you have Seattle when you have Seattle in the division, though, you you want to take advantage of every opportunity to beat a Landry Jones slash Michael Vick team that you got. That's all. That's fair. 
you, we still got we still got the faith coming from us. Don't worry, cards. Don't be nervous. I think there's a little bit of jitters. They think they need to be even better. Mm. Just be yeah, yourselves. Just be who you are. Be yourselves. Let's move on. The Minnesota Vikings could not get Adrian Peterson going and got another quiet game from Teddy Bridgewater, but they still did enough for a 16-10 win over the Kansas City Chiefs. Greg, <clears throat> uh, I watched this game, <laughs> and I would like to put in a formal request that we don't have to watch any more Chiefs games. As a group. As a group. Well, but the, the problem, like that I could consider... But they have. There's a team on the other side of the field each week when they play, and I don't think there's any. I know the technology is improving. Uh-huh. I don't think you can just take the Chiefs off the field and just watch the Vikings. Play. I don't know. We I might, need you yeah. to tell me about the Vikings in general. You know what I mean? Yeah, I get that. I get that. But and I, I feel bad when I say that. If you're a Chiefs fan that's listening to the show, this. I mean no disrespect. I mean no sure disrespect. Not towards the fans. The fans deserve better. Right. Uh, you know, they deserve a team they could get why, excited why about. Why are they t- so tough to watch today? Because, well, without Jamal <laughs> Charles, there's, there's nothing there. You got Alex Smith, who's, you know, Mr. Fuddy Duddy, throwing, throwing those little <laughs> dump passes over the middle. Mr. Fuddy Duddy. No, not pushing the ball downfield. You, Travis Kelsey disappears for stretches. I don't know how that happens. Jeremy Macklin, Jeremy Macklin got hurt in this game. But things are even worse uh, without Macklin involved. They got a lot uh, of drop passes for Alex Smith, it looks like. Yeah, I mean, this. I mean, the team didn't play well. Charkandrick West didn't do anything. Uh, Niall Davis didn't do anything. West had a bad fumble also in the fourth quarter when they had a little momentum. This team went from last week to this week four and a half quarters without scoring a point with Jamal Charles. Without Jamal Charles, so uh, the Vikings didn't play uh, particularly well in this game. The Chiefs' defense, to its credit, did a really nice job bottling up um, Adrian Peterson, who. Um, did not get going ever in this game. But at the end of the day, it was it was just a boring, workmanlike victory. It, and that's what they the want to be on offense, it seems, because this has been this isn't a departure from what they were last year either. They're very they're content as an organization of Alex Smith at quarterback and all these shortcomings that you know that are joined with that. And they want to win and lose games 16 to 10. And they're going to lose a lot more than they're going to win. And I put it on They've Andy Reid. They've had a lot Reed. of bad luck this year losing well, close Well, bad luck, but they're not, built, they're not built to go out and dominate if teams on offense and have a nice time being 6 and 10 when that's the case. I think they have like two more years invested in Alex Smith. But if you're Andy Reid, is there any thought to just kick the tires on old Chase, a former making the leap candidate? I, I think they should. I, well, we were calling I, for that a couple I weeks ago. I don't think they will, just because of the guaranteed money in uh, in Smith's contract. Did 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 uh, Teddy Bridgewater look any better this week? Not really. He's been. I, he hasn't really. Has, have you guys seen a game where you thought he's looked really good this year? Yes, against one game. Detroit, he was just about perfect. But other than that, that's he was it. just you know he was just a guy in the field. I mean, he, he threw one touchdown. He threw two picks. Not not good throws. He has three touchdowns uh, for the entire season now. Um, so I didn't I didn't take much out I didn't take much out of that. When you guys check out the game, maybe you'll see something uh, different. The one guy that did stand out for them is um, Stefan Diggs. Oh yeah, yeah, fifth round pick. Uh, didn't I don't even think he was active the first few weeks of the season. The last two weeks, he has 13 catches for 216 yards. Mm. Uh, had seven for 129 today. So you know there are guys on that <laughs> offense: Cordell Patterson, of course. Uh, mark your boy, Charles Johnson. They haven't been able to get anybody to, to find um, any success, and it looks like they hit on something with Diggs here. So expect him to be a regular part of that offense. You called that on Thursday's show that, that you know Mike Wallace. What does he have? Two catches for twenty. He had yards. nine targets and two catches, whereas Stephon Diggs has nine targets and he has one hundred. He's not Mike yards. Wallace anymore. He, he doesn't move like he used to. 
Kyle Rudolph, nine yards. I mean, tight ends in Norv Turner's offense typically thrive, and it's been the opposite for some of these so-called playmakers that we were touting all summer. Vikings haven't played well, and yet they're 3-2, and two, and I think they have the Lions and Bears next, so they, they have a chance to be right where everyone was hoping they would be, something like 5-2 and two if they can and take And some people years. might start to, oh, is Adrian Peterson still the same guy? Because he's had two kind of really bad games now statistically, but... This was not his fault. He was getting swallowed up in the backfield before he even touched the ball. He could really use Teddy Bridgewater heating up a little bit to take some heat off him. Um, all right. Now, it's the time of the show. It's Sunday where we welcome in uh, a woman. <laughs> That's it. I'll leave it at there. Let's bring her in. Hey. Here I am again. <laughs> so, it never gets less awkward, that intro. No, it's, yeah. I said, Something else. I said woman, but I mean wolf woman. Right. Colleen yeah. Wolf, not only a, a friend of the Around the NFL podcast, mm. but you know what? An actual friend of ours. Oh, oh, wow. That's right. Sweet, that's guys. We, we've hung out together. Yeah. We've ingested uh, liquids uh, and we've had well, conversations. We've, like had beers together. Yeah. The way you said it is strange. Very uh, murky <laughs> description. By I the had way. a friend in town this weekend who, who listens to the podcast now. He's a recent adopt, adoptee. And he was saying, he's like, that Colleen Wolf, she just needs to be on the show every time. That She's Colleen Wolf. Guys, wow. I'm That's, telling you the truth. I don't think, think so. I praise. I think this is the perfect amount of Colleen. <laughs> Colleen Not too much more. Colleen, she is every Pump Sunday. She, of course, she's one of the faces of NFL Now. Uh, she's also um, a constant presence on the NFL Now Game Day Blitz program on Sundays, which... Uh, Greg, you and I sat in on, on NFL Now. Mm -hmm. uh, a little story about that today. I did my two-segment thing. And then they, Shaq was like, all right, fella, you know, great to see you again. All right, Colleen, take it away. And I was like, oh, I thought I was done. So I put down my little stick mic, and I start to, <laughs> start to walk away. And I see all these people behind the camera, like, shooting me daggers. And they're, and they're just like, no, you're not clear. You're not clear. And now I'm standing <laughs> in the middle of the set. And then I, I just bail, and I, everyone is just giving me a look like I am human garbage. Why not try to be a professional when you're on the air? I was trying. <laughs> Plus, in what scenario are you not taking the mic with you? If nothing, Even if you think the segment's over, at least bring it with you. Right? Be helpful. Be a professional. I don't know. I, don't I know. didn't notice any of this. I, well, yeah, I didn't I don't see know. any I, of it all. Are you plugged in? I don't know. It's hard to tell. Sometimes. All right. So, Isn't going clear a Scientology term? Uh, yes, it is. I am not a Scientologist. Uh, That's for the theology show. Or is it? Is Scientology a religion? Mark, we'll start with we you. We will discuss on this summer's <laughs> theology podcast. All right, great. All right, so let's continue with the games. Colleen's back. It's always great to have Colleen. And since Colleen's here and I'm in a good mood now, we're going to talk about the New York Jets. Ryan Fitzpatrick threw two touchdown passes and ran for another score. And Chris Ivory posted 196 total yards. It all added up to a 34-20 Jets win. Yes, it did. Over the Washington Redskins at the Meadowlands, the Jets. Mark Sessler, I know the Browns stink again, and I don't revel in that, but at least... <laughs> Doesn't sound wow. like Wow, well, you kind of do, since they were a play away from beating an undefeated team and being 3-3, three and three, scrappy Browns. Give You're them a beating. little credit. Just know that the Jets, a fellow pain ranking team, they're doing okay. <laughs> I think that oh, helps. Because very happy for you, Dan. <laughs> I don't understand so why you're that not was... jumping on the Jets bandwagon now. Yeah, I was inviting Mark that? on. That's what I'm trying to say. No, I I don't need to get on that train. Okay, it's going to end horribly. But this is my takeaway from this game. And yes, the Redskins were all sorts of beat up, 
And, um, you know, the Jets are at home. They should win this game. I now think the Jets are actually good. I think they're good. I think not only they have a, a pretty nice schedule this year and they have a really good defense, I think they're legitimately good. And it's because Chris Ivory, he's not the best running back in football, uh, even though Marsh, Brandon Marshall said it, but he is a top five running back right now. So not only do you have a top three defense, you have a top five running back. Brandon Marshall, uh, Wes, if you were to do an end of season wide receiver rankings, Brandon Marshall keeps this up. He's a top five wide receiver this year. This guy is doing something. And, uh, you know, Don Maynard, who I know, Wes, you know well, the great wide receiver of the 68 world uh, champion Jets. He was the last wide receiver to have 100 yards in four straight games. That's what Brandon Marshall did today. So you have a great, great wide receiver, a great running back, a great defense, and Ryan Fitzpatrick is okay. Should we pop <laughs> champagne? Yeah. Do it? Okay. You got and a good I, offensive coordinator. I think that's one of the keys of the sure. whole Fitzpatrick equation. played great today. He had one interception. Um, so he does. he's going to make a mistake every week like that. Sometimes he'll make more than one. But he made some big throws, and he's ma been making plays all year with his legs. He had an 18-yard touchdown run that won this game, essentially, put the game away. So he's been getting first downs all season with his legs. He's, he's been limiting the killer mistakes. Put it all together, the Jets are good. This is a 10-win team. If they can play a team that's missing eight starters uh, every week, they'll be fine. Whatever throne of sleaze. Well, Watch the game and tell they're me. They're a much more complete team. team than last year, and it starts with all the pieces on defense that Rex Ryan was not given at the end of his tenure. And we always talked about the fact that, you know, what Marshall did is he turns Eric Decker into not the number one and only target on the field, but a very good number two. And you've got right. weapons all of a sudden. All right, so you're right. They are pretty they're good. good. They're, and they're not great. Go 10 and six, that means they go six and what? Six and five down the stretch. That, and that could happen because they're only good. They could do that. And the I Patriots think they would be are happy better. with that. I would be happy with a 10 and six, get in the playoffs, and then see what happens with that defense. Absolutely. Did Ryan Fitzpatrick play the best game by a Jets quarterback in the past decade? <laughs> no. Because ESPN's QBR says he did. They gave him a 99 QBR. He was, I mean, he was very good, but he's, you know, he's not throwing downfield, really. He's, doing, he's basically taking what the defense gives him. I thought, I thought he played a very nice game by Ryan Fitzpatrick's standards, but I don't know. I feel like maybe some of those Sanchez games uh, before everything went downhill were probably better. Brett, wow. Favre, Favre, Brett Favre threw six touchdowns in a game against the Cardinals. Once Every once in a while, there's a good Jet quarterback game. But Fitzpatrick is getting the job done, and Geno Smith is not getting in anytime soon. They came into this game in the second half and scored 24 straight points, then mm. just, like, dropped the mic. Well, right. Yeah. I, when I was reading the tweets in this game, a lot of people were saying the Jets were very lucky to even be close in the first half, considering how poorly they played. They turned it over three times in the first half, and it was very Jetsy. And uh, it was basically all the things I had been concerned about. Uh, they were down 13-10 at the half. And then Darrell Rivas had an interception early in the third quarter. He now has six takeaways uh, in five games, so he's been well worth the money so far. And that changed the whole tenor of the game. They went nuts after that, scored 17 straight points, and that was pretty much it. How or, many wins did they have last year, the Jets? I believe they were 4-12. and 12. Okay, they, they have so reached they that. equaled their win. Well, it should be yeah. fun. And you're right about the schedule. I forget about that because I'm thinking, well, the Jets haven't really beaten anyone. I mean, they, they won in Indianapolis. That, that was solid. But they haven't beaten another team with a winning record. But then I'm looking at the rest of the schedule. They don't have any teams with winning records the rest of the way. You know, you have the division games, which aren't easy. You have the Patriots twice, which is very difficult. But other than that, it's Cake City. Including next week. That's a great game, Jets-Patriots. 
That you think that'll be talked about at all? I think on this podcast it will be that, and uh, you know whether they're going to bench Kirk Cousins in Washington after well, the game. Jay Gruden said no way. He uh, he's of course not. I mean he's underwhelming to me. And Four point six yards per attempt and a couple more picks. Yeah. Could, now now what's the alternative? And Bubble it's not RG three. Who was that's active. no alternative. It won't be RG three. RG three was active for the first time this year, but that was because they're so banged up. I mean they're not going to play RG three right because they don't want to risk him not. getting hurt. But Cousins isn't the answer. I, well, I mean, neither is Colt McCoy, so you got to just stick with there's it. There's absolutely no running game either to help them. Mm. Right. They, they're supposed to be built on running and time of possession, and they've been hit or miss all year. Yeah. They're an 8-8 eight eight team in the making, or maybe a 7 or 6, six win team. Well, they got to start maybe winning. They're 0-3 on the road. And so no they got to start winning Jackson. some games on the road to be 8-8. Eight eight. One bright spot. They were really them. banged up, though. I mean, key guys, Deshaun Jackson, Trent Williams. I mean, they were they had, all, Jordan Reed, all the, these guys, Matt Jones, all these guys are starters. Seven inactive, six of them were starters. So, One bright spot. I spot. thought last week Brashad Breeland played as well as any cornerback mm. in the NFL. And then this week he has two takeaways and three. From what I, three takeaways. He had two fumble recoveries and uh, interception in the first half. And then and, uh, Brandon Marshall made him look bad on a touchdown later. But. He, he played a very good game. So there, there's some things. There's still a good defense, but the Jets uh, rolled up a season-high in yardage. If their defense takes a step back, this team's going to crater. Geno Smith's next pass next August in Oakland as a Raiders mm. backup. Mark is loving this, by the way. Rex Ryan. <laughs> Raiders backup. Sure. Nice. Preseason action. Geno Smith out the door. We don't need him in New York anymore. Why would you ever bring that guy back into the fold? It's Once over. Well, Gino, uh, Fitzy hadn't been playing that well the past couple well, weeks. So this Gino is a big is toxic, game. ultra toxic. Yeah, you're, that's, that's, that's what Keith Hansis thinks, too. I was talking well, to I my dad on Hans. the way to work today. He's like, Danny, they can't put that guy in. He's a bum. <laughs> Your dad knows. Your dad's watched the Jets for decades and decades. He's seen a lot of bad quarterbacks. Your dad sounds like a great guy. He is. <laughs> he's Hansis. a straight shooter. He's, uh, you know. Danny, Gino's was terrible. <laughs> Keith Hansis. All right, let's move on. All right, the Lions, they've done it. They did it. You predicted it. You said it, Greg Rosenthal. The not-so-bold prediction. They were favored in the game. What was your, head- <laughs> what was your headline? The Lions, I don't remember. Something, something about like, no more winless teams. No yeah, more, no more every, football teams will win a Lions football Lions win a game. There are no more winless teams. I don't know. And involve you, football Greg. twice. <laughs> Way to be quick on your feet there, Greg. <laughs> the Lions have done it. Matt Prater kicked a 27-yard field goal with less than three minutes to go in overtime, giving Detroit a 37-34 win over the Bears, their first taste of victory in six tries. Colleen, at, w- at one point this game appeared to be headed towards a suitably pathetic tie, but it didn't happen that Thank way. you for that. Yeah, no, Matt Stafford, he finally threw, I mean, he threw for over 400 yards, and there were, there was a stretch of like seven games where he hadn't thrown for over 300, and more importantly, he went to Calvin Johnson. So Calvin Johnson finally has a 100-yard game. 166. Yeah, yep. um, wow. the first 100-yard game of his career, but guys, I'm still not sure what it catches at this point. Oh my because God. Because of another... Terrible, absurd call. That was absolutely awful. So Golden Tate, he gets the ball knocked out as he's crossing the goal line, right? And the Bears defender comes down with it before he hits the ground. And it's ruled an interception. Then it's reviewed and overturned and called a Golden Tate touchdown. Hmm. I mean, so the argument was that it's not the same as these other highly controversial episodes where they're going to the ground and there's possession or not maintained, making your football play. It's that he had possession when he broke the plane, and so the play is over. Right. 
Bland, that Dean Blandino said. It, it sort of makes sense. It just wasn't. It was. Here's the problem. It doesn't make here. any sense. When you've got a rule where everybody in the stadium thinks it's not a catch, everybody watching it at home thinks it's not a catch, Mike Pereira thinks it's not a catch, and all the coaches think it's not a catch, it's a broken rule. Fix it. And the Dino Blandino thing doesn't work because you can't just throw to Dino and then he's going to say whatever technically the rule book might actually interpret it. It doesn't really provide me any clarity. I more I, I look at a guy well, like would, Pereira. Though. Nothing would. Well, I, Changing I, the role would yeah. provide clarity right. to a role that is clear. That's At it. least like Pereira, for instance, who used to be the VP of officiating, they throw it to him and he's like, I don't know, ask ask Calvin Johnson <laughs> if that's, ask that's, Brian. I mean, I don't know what to call it. That's this. been my main point all along. The officials don't know the role. And take a look right. at that uh, catch by Golden Tate and then take a look at the Tyler Eifert catch from a couple weeks ago and tell me which one should have been a touchdown. Well, that's when it breaks. You'll pull your hair out. You'll pull uh, your hair out. Or the Devontae Freeman play from last week. Right. You'll pull your hair out trying to figure it out. It's just way too much gray area. And it's just and it's just taking uh, attention away from uh, the the Cutler Stafford duel in the dome <laughs> that people were waiting for. 37-34. Everyone's dogging these big arms. I thought Greg was getting out of his chair and there. You know, <laughs> get out of the chair. Get out of the chair. It's too far. It's too Name complicated. Name one human that was waiting for this. Plugged in. They made a movie out of this game. It would be called. I was it would be called Unwanted. Jay, Jay Cutler's <laughs> best best play Starting in the world is just kind of running Starting around for a while and throwing it up deep to Alshon Jeffrey. Yes. Now, now he can do that again. It looks like yeah. a totally different offense, though, with Alshon in it. I mean, Absolutely. you can see the marked difference. And Eddie Royal yeah. is back. I mean, that helps. They Jay right. Cutler's not that bad. They got some- I know, with the Bears, yes, he's, not, he's not that bad. He, he is. is what he is. He's they're the middle- they're he- competitive every week now because Jay Cutler's involved. And we were talking about this team as like a 14-loss team when he was hurt. I agree with Colleen on Jeffrey, though, because the Bears Chiefs, I watched that on Game Pass on Saturday and fell asleep in my chair watching it. <laughs> well, like the this Chiefs game, were involved. Well, there they yeah. were, but this they're yeah. a different offense his with two, Jeffrey. Are you kidding? But his two plays at the end of that game were maybe it two of the greatest the Jay Cutler I'm, plays of all time. I'm they were talking the about the, Cutler. It's a football game that's 60 minutes long. The <laughs> so first 59 minutes were an absolute disaster. <clears throat> I know that you are a quiet closet Jay Cutler I'm supporter. I've been quiet about it. I've been supporting him a decade. Greg is you out of the closet. I'll tell you what. You're a Patriots fan. Go put Jay Cutler on your Patriots and see how you like that he, four games. Cutler's on Greg's like Mount Rushmore with Matt Castle and Brandon Weaver. Oh, that mountain's going to crumble. I did not sense. expect to see uh, old Sessler fire eyes talking about Cutler. <laughs> out of no, nowhere, just, you shot some fire well, at him. I was there. not fire at all. Was a I just think the it's just easy seen. to say that you have all this love of Jay Cutler when he's they're still two and four. They're going to always be a team that has Careful, nothing, right. nothing important happens with him at quarterback. Name his big victories. Give me three big Jay Cutler victories. <laughs> he won or one. You want to play. But he's game. just not a – he just doesn't get that thing done. He Wednesday, got outplayed by Caleb Haney in a playoff game. <laughs> yeah. Those throws are pretty <laughs> well mean, Is there anything else we need to know about this no. game, Colleen? No, it's just over. the Bears defense gave up over 540 total yards. Ooh, that's right. So. They had Ooh, I like TV awesome. put up another tweet. Because they have been playing well. Yeah. I think it's because that nobody has the same drives. They score too quickly. They, they had been playing well, so now they have nothing to hold on to. Good news, Mark. As we move on, the Baltimore Ravens continue to slip off the radar. I, I know you love the radar that. anymore. They gone. Their yeah. latest setback came at the big bell bottom. It ain't happening, Berman, <laughs> so give it up. We're the only ones keeping it going. I know, it's, true. <laughs> it's true. Where Colin Kaepernick threw two touchdown passes to lead the 49ers to a 25-20 to win over John Harbaugh's team. Mark, we forked the Ravens' playoff chances last week. 
no regrets after what we saw today. No, I mean, it's really only Baltimore secondary can turn Colin Kaepernick into a functional quarterback. He played his best game of the year by far. Torrey Smith even got a ball. Well, and that's the saddest <laughs> thing because outside of Steve Smith, who he, I think with the kind of injury he had, I don't think we would even be getting out of bed, essentially at a broken back, came in, and every time he's on the field for the Baltimore, he's the heart and soul of that entire team. But you watch Anquan Bolden and Torrey Smith mm. each 96 yards for Torrey Smith, 102 for Bolden. These were your receivers a few years ago. Now they're making plays for the 49ers, and there's nothing outside of Crockett Gilmore and Steve Smith in Baltimore. I know it's tough to watch if you're Harbaugh or Flacco. Got to be tough to watch those two guys scoring. It's a little bit, you know, It's I guess you're not allowed to really say this because he's done so much, but Ozzie Newsom should get a little heat, you would think, right? You got this franchise quarterback you're paying $20 million a year, and you didn't give him a, you didn't give him the team. Well, you must have read my post because it was that awesome. Was, I think, well, I I might have erased it in the end, but it's basically <laughs> I feel like this front office put this team together poorly this season. There's no way around it. In the past, Baltimore's had what appeared to be weaknesses on paper, and they shore it up, and they're still going to win 11 or 12 games. There are distinct weaknesses with this team, and really the secondary is an absolute disaster on the, on the, every week. On the couch, uh, MJD. And Ike Taylor both were referring to Flacco as a checkdown quarterback, which isn't exactly no. what you want to hear. That's also not true. But he said true. that his, what, his game works best when he has someone, I guess you could say this, but any quarterback. But when Ray Rice was there, that's when Joe Flacco could be his most effective. He had someone to check it down to. He doesn't have that guy. I, that is yeah, completely not what their offense is. That's <clears> wrong. Listen, I mean, uh, you know, go tell Ike and MJD. He's throwing for 350 there. yards a this week. This is all I mean, factually correct. What? That they said that. Mm. And it's not true. Really. They also laughed at me when I said that Brian Hoyer would start another game this year because Ryan Mount is terrible. Oh, don't cross West. We need no, to, I haven't been like, back since, I'll tell you that much. <laughs> we got to get Solly Wilcots in the studio because he, he laughed at Greg when he first came in the Around the NFL television show, which we used to be on. Um, he laughed at Greg when Greg questioned Peyton Manning. And then he disappeared. You were on this past Thursday, and they, Solly was nowhere to be found. Well, they called a knockout, TKO. Or they got to trot out someone else next week to defend Peyton Manning against you. Wait, hold on. How bad is Levi Stadium turf? It's the big bell bottom. Wait, what happened? Oh, yeah. Justin Tucker, his foot, like, sunk into the field on that kick, and he ended up missing it. The craziest thing? Seriously sunk. It's happened over and over. It's one of those fields that gets killed. site of Super Bowl 50. The the kicker's foot disappeared in the turf when he planted. In, in, like, a giant, like, grass divot flies across space after he tried to, you know, it was was embarrassing. Yeah, it's a tough thing because they built up that stadium, too, for so long of, like, it's got all these... 21st century, you know, innovations of the fan experience and everything is different. Like, you know, when you're at the game, but you know, we can't, you know, make graph. 21st century has been a little <laughs> overrated so far. They better call in Carl Spackler to head up that ground crew. Who's Carl oh, Spackler? Spackler? Oh, yeah. Bill Murray and Caddyshack. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you I were talking about every thought, 20 minutes on the watch. We'll get one of those references from watch. I, I thought for a second you were talking Jim Toma. Was that his name? Or George Toma? Oh, they used yeah. to really have kind of a field expert who would go around to the NFL fields and fix them up. TD, can we get like some, uh, some type of signal or bell whenever <laughs> Wes makes a dated <laughs> yeah. cultural reference? We'll work on that. For okay, sure. cool. I think that was 1980 or 81. A long time ago. 
I got Colleen wasn't yeah. born yet. It's about me. No, but I did. How about I did get the Pee Wee Herman dance today from Steve Smith? I did recognize Ooh. that. Pee Wee's timeless, though. I felt like that was. Isn't Caddyshack good. timeless? Oh no, I forgot. Dan hates the Caddyshack. I am a little anti-Caddyshack. I don't know. It just never connected with me. It doesn't mean it's not good. Let's move on. Yeah, I think it'd be good to move on. Do you wait? Do you <laughs> like Caddyshack? Not particularly. It's fine. Greg. Yeah, I like it. I like it. That's not a glowing endorsement. Well, I'm trying to think of when's the last time. It's like, how can you have an opinion about anything you haven't seen in the last 10 years? I think they all should be thrown out the window. What about Airplane? I love Airplane. So. I have seen that. So there you go. But I've seen that recently, and I still know that I, li I love it. Caddyshack, I feel like if I watch it now, I might not love it. Wes, your thoughts? Caddyshack is one of my top five favorite comedies. And I think and you're, you're, you're not alone. Slightly un-American if you don't like it. It yeah, is. I like you, it. you take a lot of jabs, Wes, at um, sports writers. I do. Yeah. And it's one of my favorite that's like activities. The, the thing, like sports writers, what they really like to do is listen to Bruce Springsteen and watch Caddyshack. <laughs> I love to do that also, but I don't like standing around all day quoting Caddyshack yeah. and uh, telling people how great Bruce Springsteen is. You would is. just like us to carve seven minutes out of the podcast to discuss it. I it's about me. <laughs> don't think that I've been the one discussing it. No, I think you, Dan has. To be fair, that's Mark's hard. in a rush. Mark gets in a rush late in these Sundays. He wants to get out of here I don't as have anywhere as possible. to be. So let's move on to your old friend, Brian Hoyer, who threw three touchdown passes, all of them on third down, and the Texans improved to 2-4 and four with a 31-20 win over the Jaguars. Wes, the struggle for progress continues for 1-5 Jacksonville. Yeah, Blake Bortles is on pace now for 4,350 yards and 35 touchdowns and about 300 back-breaking interceptions. Mm. I mean, these, they, their <laughs> offense moves the ball. They, they look pretty explosive at times. But he had a back-breaking interception right before halftime, had another interception in the second half that, that was really hurtful, and missed a couple of wide receivers who were wide open for potential long touchdowns. Mm. So I think as, as well as he's playing, he's not helping them in the win column. At some point, their progress is faced with reality, which is that if you're ranking teams based on results, they're number 32 right now. Because they just lost to the Bucks and the Texans in back-to-back -back weeks. They're fourth. It doesn't get worse than that. They, they have one win, are. which is tied for the right. worst, worst spot. And, part of, and the problem now, too, is let's say Bortles continues to make progress, but they go 3-13, and 13, and Manit or front office decides they need to start fresh with the GM and coach, then Bortles has to start over. The, and once you get into that situation, that's how progress gets stunted. I don't think the offense, because watching the Bucks game and then this parts of this one, that the offense feels close. They there do. are a lot of these they young pieces, do. and it's, it's, it's interesting that it's the defense on a Gus Bradley team that had no pass rush last week when they needed it. There's no distinct element to this defense that sets it apart, and you're years into Gus, ba Gus Bradley's program. So I put it on the coach. It doesn't help that Blake Bortles is also the team's leading rusher today. Yeah, if they don't get TJ Yeldon back, I mean, Toby Gerhardt and Denard Robinson, mm. they're not going to get it done. They're back to where they were last year on the ground, and this is that's a disaster. Wes, is DeAndre Hopkins the best wide receiver in the league that nobody talks about? Yeah, he's like Jordy Nelson and Golden Tate used to be before people figured out they were good. DeAndre Hopkins is incredible. He made a bunch of circus catches today. He's on pace for 140 catches, 2,000 yards, and 13 touchdowns. With the worst quarterback situation in the league. Yeah, the guy is unbelievable. And he's also has more targets at this point in the season than any wide receiver since 1991. Wait, Brian Hoyer's wow. like last five and a half quarters are sterling, though. That's fair. I, I mean, mean he's, he, was he was amazing he today. Really last week and good this week. He 
It was facing the Jaguars defense, which made the Buccaneers look good last year. And he has benefit of Arian Foster to help move the chains. But that being said, he's so much better than Ryan Mallett. Yeah, I mean, Hoyer, they probably should have... If, if this season isn't going to go anywhere for Houston, it probably won't. Because Brian Hoyer, even if he started 16 games, they weren't going to go off. But they probably should have had a little more patience in, in hindsight. Because more than three quarters, three quarters worth quarters, of patience? That, that was a huge <laughs> Maybe mistake. three and a half quarters. That was bad. So, well, but, but if we think Andy Dalton's going to come back to earth, I guarantee Brian Hoyer does. He will. Gonna They're not right going back to this situation. They're not going to yeah. face Jacksonville every week. All right. Let's move on. Another uh, team that needed a win. Dan Campbell for president. Make America great again. Dan Campbell, the hulking interim coach, looked like a genius in his debut, turning the Dolphins into a ground-and-pound beast in a 38-10 win mm. over the Titans. Colleen, will the Dolphins lose another game with the teal Incredible <laughs> Hulk wearing a headset? Um, yes, but Dan Campbell, first of all, I felt like the orange collar he had on that polo was extra bright after they won. He <laughs> was... He's That's often, weird. I know, but it was just like he was radiating. I think after the comments that he was worried about throwing up on his shoes kind of thing before leading into the game. Um, the way that the defense responded in this was one of my biggest takeaways because they only had one sack coming into this game combined as a team. And just in the first half alone, they had four sacks, five and a half sacks, and Cam Wake had four of them. So they were, I mean, it <laughs> defensive line woke up. such a difference from what we've seen this entire season. And, I mean, Ryan Tannehill, he didn't really respond any differently. But that defensive line did, and Jarvis Landry, too. Oh, right. So Dan Campbell's, that's Joe, Joe, Joe Philbin sitting at home watching on TV going, like, hey, great, Cameron Wake, our best player by far, is healthy again, gets four sacks, and this clown in, in a tight shirt gets all the credit for it. Like, he had anything to do with Dan yeah. I'm motivated. Like the Oklahoma <laughs> drill did the job. Get me a brighter collar. Lamar Miller, Lamar by the way. Lamar Miller. Give Lamar, Exciting. how about this, Joey Fibbs? Maybe you give the guy that was like a top 10 running back in the league last year the rock and see what yeah. happens. Over 100 yards. I mean, I didn't think we were going to see that, but he had more yards in this game than he had in combined the last three games. So mm. he's finally running the ball, and that's what they need to do. If they have him and he can do that, why aren't they running the ball more? And there was a little bit of a controversy with a, a low hit on Marcus Mariota of the Titans. Uh, after, the, after the game, uh, Ken Wisenhunt, who might not be long for this job in Tennessee, uh, he had this to say about the hit by uh, Vernon on the defensive line of the Dolphins. I think it was BS. I think it should be taken out of the game. That's not, that's not the way you play football. I think it was done with the idea of trying to hurt our quarterback, and that's, that's football. Ooh. He's angry. Showing some fight. Good job, Ken. Yeah. Wes, your thoughts? Connor Orr covered this game for us and mentioned several times that he thought the Titans should have taken Marcus Mariota out of the game because he was getting battered around so much and that the offensive line was getting clown suited by Cameron Wake. Maybe, They're missing yeah, their tackle, their center. You know. And he, he got hurt, it appeared. He was down. It looked terrible. It looked like he was going to come out, and then he stayed in there. He showed some toughness. But maybe if Wizen on, you know, is that worried about him, this was the time to call off the dogs. And he did eventually. He put in Mettenberger when they were down, I think, 17 in the fourth quarter. But he had to wear a knee brace when he went back in, too. He said that Vernon apologized afterwards, which mm. I know carries a whole lot of weight. But I mean, the Titans are in Forkville, right? 
because we were hanging on during well, their the bye week. got to get together. Well, we'll, right. we'll talk on Tuesday. We can discuss. I know where my vote goes because, again, this is another Morgan. AFC South team that has zero going on when it counts. We need to I retire hope. to our conference room, got some Danish, some coffee. Uh, some Where is this conference tea. room? It's only it's in for, the for basement next to the chem lab. It's in the basement of the Alamo. See, I could do 80s <laughs> references as well. Well, I, it's weird how you're just excluding Colleen automatically. I think it's worth you know, inviting her to the committee. I vote for that. Why not? Uh, Dan, Dan, I don't know if Dan likes this. We could use a fresh... <laughs> Dan's like, hey, this is our boys club. Dan, we you don't even so, drink coffee. So. We'll, we'll buy one more Danish. Putting dames in the club? Well, I say no. <laughs> See? No Dizzy yeah. dames in our club. Charlie Cancerly in the podcast. Man Man business. <laughs> <laughs> oh, of course, Colleen's welcome. We, we can save some Danish, some oh, coffee. Oh, get an extra one. Yeah. Buy one more. So nice of you. Thank you. I love Danish. What does a Dave have to say? I don't care. No, sir. Colleen, you've done it again. Great. You've done it again. You've come in here. You've delivered insight. Uh, you delivered some, uh, you know, keen insight on the games. You, you've brought in some humor. Keep, please keep going. Uh, you really, you're charming. Thank you. Charming, I like it. I love, I love coming here on Sundays. <laughs> Both yeah. insight well and keen insight. And keen insight, which is important. Very different. So uh, uh, we will see you again next week. Yeah. And um, so that's it. That's All right. Colleen. I'm out. As Colleen heads out, the wolf woman. We Bye, turn everybody. our attention to Sunday night football. The Indianapolis Colts at home against the New England Patriots. You guys, you know, there's there's a little bit of heat, a little backstory in this one. Mm. Uh, something about deflated footballs. Or were they, Wes? Let's get into that first. No, just kidding. Let's just talk, <laughs> about, let's talk about the game. The Colts and the Patriots. And uh, this is a game Tom Brady throws over 300 yards, throws for three touchdowns. LeGarrette Blunt rushes for 90 yards and a touch. The Pats jump ahead, stay ahead, end up winning the game um, by a final score of... 34 to 27. Thank you. 34 of 20, 34 to 27. My computer shutting down like my uh, sinus cavity right now. Uh, but, you know, this is a game that was a close game and surprisingly close. People thought this would be the biggest blot in history. 80-burger talk going around. But this was a six-point game with um, late in the third quarter when Chuck Pagano uh, called a play that, quite frankly, let's be honest, if things go the wrong way, and, the, and their owner acts a certain way, it could cost Chuck his job. He calls a bizarre fake punt attempt attempt involving Griff Whalen, who is, of course, uh, the centerpiece of Connor Orr's uh, his Madden football team. Um, I don't know what they were trying to do. It was a fourth and three play. If you're watching on YouTube, you could, on uh, uh, NFL Now, you could check it out right here. Uh, the play is snapped for whatever reason. Immediately a loss because there was five Patriots defenders. The Patriots quickly take over, score again. That ended up being all they needed. They uh, gave up a late score, 34-27 final. Uh, Greg Rosenthal, listen, throne of ease, if you will. Not what you were looking for in terms of a blowout that made the Colts look terrible. I wasn't looking for a blowout. It's great. (laughs) You go to play one of your biggest rivals from the last decade, although it's been a one-sided rivalry ever since Andrew Luck's been there. They haven't won a game. This was the closest game. And they pretty much did what they wanted to do on offense. If it wasn't for Julian Edelman's drop that turned into a pick six, this game maybe doesn't look quite as close in the fourth quarter. But that, but that play was all the enjoyment I needed out of tonight. That was the. Like, That's what you'll have to annoyed. settle that for. A, 
And that'll be the narrative for, you know, obnoxious Pats fans is that, well, we got that trick play and that's all we needed. But it was very embarrassing by the Colts. I mean, it was it was the play that that's how this game will ultimately be remembered. I mean, we saw on television that Chuck Pagano seemed to mouth to Griff Whalen afterwards. Like, why did you snap that? Because it's I, it, we'll, we'll have to hear more from the coach himself, but it seems like they were trying to draw the Patriots off sides. It, they jumbled the defense around. They got a little bit caught off guard, but the Patriots were wise. They kept five guys right home over Griff Whalen, and when he snapped he the thing, it. they just smothered him, it? and it was over. And then they, have, then from there, the killers, they just march in for a touchdown. To what end? I have no idea what the Colts were doing on that play. I'm, yeah. I am genuinely curious to hear the philosophy behind that formation. Well, maybe, maybe Griff Whalen, who has been the centerpiece of Connor's Madden team, uh, it's a Patriots post-deflate gate team mm. that may be moving to another city. Maybe he's maybe he was secretly trying to win this game for the Patriots. I don't know how this all makes sense. Throne of sleeves between indeed. the two worlds. But look, Griff Whalen did get a touchdown uh, later in the game. The play got whistled, eating. so the Colts aren't even allowed to set up in that formation. Apparently, why would they even try it? It was it was one of the worst plays. Uh, in special teams history that you could ever <laughs> ever think of. But it's going to distract from the fact that Andrew Luck really struggled in the second half. Maybe he's not healthy. Maybe he is, but he was spraying passes. I, I don't think he's the most accurate quarterback, at least compared to the quarterbacks he's at the same level of, you know, the top five to ten quarterbacks. He's not always the most accurate, but he was spraying passes. I think it's fair to ask if, he's, if his shoulder's not back to strength yet because he didn't. it's not the same guy that we've seen before. He hasn't played well all year. That's true. Before... Before the strained shoulder, I didn't think he was throwing well in the season opener or week two. Had a good first drive where they go down the field and they have short passes, but the Patriots seem to kind of figure out how to drop another guy underneath. And when you took away the first read, it, this isn't what the luck that we've seen, that when you take away the first read, he gets flummoxed, but that, that's what was happening. It seems like with the Patriots every week, too, you know, they did a pretty good job on Rob Gronkowski, held to 50 yards. But when that happens... One of their other chess pieces blows up. Danny Amendola has a big night. It just seems like every week it's a revolving star for this team, no matter what they do. And the defensive line really got a lot of pressure on Luck late in the game. One of my favorite moments, I know this is going to sound like a homer, late in the game, Tom Brady, it's second and four. They're trying to kill the clock, and he has an unbelievably bad delay of game. (laughs) Did you guys see that? An unbelievably bad delay of game. Coming out of a Colts timeout, and he wasn't even close to snapping the ball. And you can see Belichick in the headset going, GD Tommy, you know, what the was that? Like he was getting. Ooh, dissension? No, I'm just saying. He's getting pissed at Tom Brady because it was a terrible mistake with three minutes left in the game. It's like, that's why I like Bill. Here come the trumpets and the page boys as Greg gets carried around the New England territory. Terrific children with grapes and a harp. The sun, the sun has a face, and it's smiling down upon the throne of ease. And you know what? Next week, 5-0 and Pats, 4-1 and Jets. That'll be fun. On the other side, the Colts. Now, they're 3-3, three and three, which is okay when you're playing in the AFC South. It's fine. But you have, uh, you have New Orleans at home, and the Saints, we're not going to go crazy about the Saints, but they're, they could be frisky in that spot. And then you go at Carolina. That's an undefeated team. And then home to Denver. Ooh, be careful. Be careful, Andy. This thing could spiral on you. They could win this division at 7-9. and nine. Be careful, AT NFL podcast, who's already forked the Texans and 
has the Jaguars lined up for forking this and we're week. We're thinking about the Titans, too. Yeah, we might the fork Titans. the rest of the division. That's how we got in trouble last year. We forked everyone but the Saints last year in the NFC South, and then we got but banged. You, I don't know. I mean, oh, watch out. Like, that could spiral out of control. Because, and they could be 3-5 and five is, I guess, what you're saying. Maybe they three could be 3-6. and six. They could be 3-6. Well, three and first six. of all, the Saints on the road, uh, you know— Let's not, let, let's not get carried away. They lost to the Eagles by 29 the last time they were on the road. Uh, and so what if they were 3-6? Three 3-6 and, six? Three and six is very likely first place in the AFC South. Absolutely. That's a great division, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Anything else? Uh, Wes, I'll give you the last word on this game. 34-27, Pats win Sunday Night Football. I need a beer. <laughs> <laughs> well said. I, I could use one as well. That is uh, our Sunday Night Spectacular uh, we covered every game, uh, and it was a great job by all. The effort was there. Execution? We'll have to listen back to know. But the effort, I can tell everybody was a lot of effort. totally involved, so that's it. Um, we will be back on Tuesday uh, with another week of shows. Mark, the wheel goes round and round and round. Uh, so we will talk about the Monday night game, preview Thursday night football, the news, all the fun stuff. Mark will be on his way to London by then. Oh, yeah, have fun. I may Old be here chat. for that show. Oh, that's we'll right. see. You will be here for the game time decision. But then you're leaving. Excellent. Then I'm leaving. Good. So that's that's what lies ahead. Uh, but until then, this is Dan Hansis signing off for the Quiet Storm, the mailman, the pa- the boss, <laughs> Jesus, TD, and everybody else behind the glass. Till Tuesday. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you.